Brigands of the Moon by Ray Cummings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Brigands of the Moon by Ray Cummings. Chapter 7. But, Miss Prince, why are you and your brother going to Ferrick Charm? His business. Even as I voiced it, I hated myself for such a question. So nimble in the humble mind that mingled with my rhapsodies of love was my need for information of George Prince. Oh, she said, this is pleasure, not business, for George. It seemed to me that a shadow crossed her face, but it was gone in an instant, and she smiled. We've always wanted to travel. We are alone in the world, you know. Our parents died when we were children. I filled in her pause. You will like Mars. So many interesting things to see. She nodded. Yes, I understand so. Our Earth is so much the same all over, cast all in one mold. But hundred or more years ago it was not, Miss Prince. I've read how the picturesque Orient, differing from, well, greater New York, or London, for instance. Transportation did that, she interrupted eagerly. Made everything the same. The people all look alike dress alike. We discussed it. She had an alert, eager mind, childlike with its curiosity, yet strangely matured, and her manner was naively earnest. Yet this was no clinging vine, this Anita Prince. There was a firmness, a hint of masculine strength in her chin and in her manner. If I were a man, what wonders I could achieve in this marvelous age! Her sense of humor made her laugh at herself. <laughs> Easy for a girl to say that, she added. You have greater wonders to achieve, Miss Prince, I said impulsively. Yes? What are they? She had a very frank and level gaze, devoid of coquetry. My heart was pounding. The wonders of the next generation. A little son, cast in your own gentle image. What madness, this clumsy, brash talk. I choked it off she took no offense. The dark rose petals of her cheeks were mantled deeper red, but she laughed. <laughs> that is true. She turned abruptly serious. I should not laugh. The wonders of the next generation, conquering humans marching on. Her voice trailed away. My hand went to her arm. Strange tingling something, which poets call love, burned and surged through my trembling fingers into the flesh of her forearm. The starlight glowed in her eyes. She seemed to be gazing, not at the silver-lit deck, but away into distant reaches of the future. Our moment. Just a breathless moment given us as we sat there with my hand burning her arm, as though we both might be seeing ourselves joined in a new individual, a little son cast in his mother's gentle image and with the strength of his father. Our moment. And then it was over. A step sounded. I sat back. The giant gray figure of Miko came past, his great cloak swaying, with his clanking sword ornament beneath it. His bullet head, with its close-clipped hair, was hatless. He gazed at us, swaggering past, and turned the deck corner. Our moment was gone. Anita said, conventionally, 
It has been pleasant to talk with you, Mr. Haljan. But we'll have many more, I said. Ten days. You think we'll reach Ferrickshan on schedule? Yes, I think so. As I was saying, Miss Prince, you'll enjoy Mars. A strange, aggressively forward-looking people. An oppression seemed on her. She stirred in her chair. Yes, they are, she said vaguely. My brother and I know many Martians in Greater New York. She checked herself abruptly. Was she sorry she had said that? It seemed so. Miko was coming back. He stopped this time. Your brother would see you, Anita. He sent me to bring you to his room. The glance he shot me had a touch of insolence. I stood up, and he towered a head over me. Anita said, Oh, yes, I'll come. I bowed. I will see you again, Miss Prince. I thank you for a pleasant half hour. The Martian led her away. Her little figure was like a child with a giant. It seemed, as they passed the length of the deck, with me staring after them, that he took her arm roughly, and that she shrank from him in fear. And they did not go inside. As though to show me that he had merely taken her from me, he stopped at a distant deck window and stood talking to her. Once he picked her up, as one would pick up a child to show it some distant object, through the window. Was Anita afraid of this Martian wooing, yet was held to him by some power he might have over her brother? The vagrant thought struck me. End of chapter 7